Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks fluctuating, the dollar rallies, treasuries plunge, an indication the Federal Reserve may raise rates as early as June was weighed against signs the world's largest economy is gaining momentum. S&P 500 index down two points, a drop there of 0.1%. The S&P had been higher, heading into today's minutes. NASDAQ holding on to a gain of 15 points, up three-tenths of one percent. Dow Industrials down 30, a drop there of two-tenths of one percent. We've got the tenure down 27.30 seconds, looking at a yield of 1.86 percent. Gold down $18 the ounce to 12.58, a drop of 1.4 percent. West Texas Intermediate Crude down 45 cents, a drop there of 0.9 percent. WTI 47.86 barrel. I'm Charlie Pelleton. That's a Bloomberg Business flash. Thank you very much, uh, Charlie Bellard. It is time now for the ETF report. It is brought to you by VanEck Vectors ETFs. Expect more from your munis. Target tax-exempt income by maturity and credit quality, all with low-cost ETFs. Visit VanEck.com slash muni. VanEck. Access the opportunities. Let's go to Catherine Cowdery for the ETF report. The sea change from high-cost to low-cost investments can be seen in the growing popularity of Charles Schwab's ETFs. Bloomberg intelligence analyst Eric Baltuna says 19 of Schwab's 21 ETFs have taken in money this year. That is hard to believe, right? Again, it shows you that, you know, Schwab is getting money through robo-advisors and through people who are allocating. You could argue that's dumb money, but you could argue that's smart, too, because it's going in and buying everything um, sometimes when it's down, which is good. You get cheaper prices. Baltuna says Schwab has attracted 4 to $5 billion in inflows into its ETFs this year, including into its newest suite of smart beta products. For Schwab to start taking in money in smart beta, that's a big deal because smart beta has always been the area where you can charge a little more. But Schwab's products are dirt cheap. So it's interesting to see if that fee war... You know, and Schwab getting in, collecting assets will affect smart beta. So far, there is some, there's some evidence of that. Four of Schwab's six new fundamental index ETFs have an expense ratio of 32 basis points. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Catherine Cowdery. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Had a nice little rally going in stocks today until the Fed released the minutes of its April meeting at two o'clock Wall Street time. Stocks sliding after the minutes revealed a Federal Reserve that is ready, willing and able to raise rates at its meeting in June if the data continue to support this move. It doesn't seem like this is a, a symmetric question. It seems like the Fed is poised, just waiting to see if the data support it. 
What does this mean for stocks, not just today, but down the road for bonds as well? Happy to welcome back to the show Kevin Divney, Chief Investment Officer, Beacon Crest Capital Management in Boston. So, Kevin, first of all, uh, your take on the minutes. Looks like the Treasury market, the U.S. Uh, bond market, was not positioned for minutes that sounded this hawkish. Hi, Kathleen. Good to be with you. The market was clearly surprised, but also I thought it was interesting how so much of the Fed's minutes were explaining what they thought the market thought about their last comments. So I think that's something else that's been happening here. The Fed is sort of responding too much to the capital markets in, in the short term. But I think the good news is for investors looking at equity markets, not so much what's happening today, is that the exiting of these stimulative policies, in our view, is a positive thing. They've done There's long-term unintended consequences, and I think we're transitioning to a point where we could be more of a normal operating environment for stocks. Kevin Divney, talk about the death of beta. First, got to tell me what it is, and then tell me what happens when it has a stake through its heart. Well, what we've seen, obviously, since the QE really exited in the end of 2014 is sort of a flat to sideways market with a lot of volatility. So, a lot of equity investors are not feeling that good. They were feeling very good after we had the zero interest rate policy and watching the Fed and seeing the market recover. And, you know, this stimulus policy where about 75% of the benefits from the stimulus really went to the capital markets, maybe 25% went to the real economy. So what has happened across multiple equity strategies, whether you call it um, hedge funds, uh, traditional mutual funds, traditional strategies, it's been very difficult for them to generate alpha because they've been relying so much on the beta for the last six years or so. So now I think what we're seeing is stocks being priced more on the underlying fundamentals, more of the individual characteristics of the company, not so much the group as a whole. And that's a very, very healthy thing because, one, it's how the capital markets are supposed to function to allocate capital. And, two, for active management strategies, it's the environment that we want to see because we're buying fundamentals. We're not trying to buy the whole market generally. Hmm. So you see – a uh, margin contraction now. You see a market, uh, a range-bound stock market. It's it's not exactly, it, it may be realistic, but not necessarily the most positive, I think, to a lot of people who just want to jump in and buy stocks. There are ways to make money at a time like this. Where do we start? There are ways to make money. I think that's the one message people can't forget. There's plenty of opportunities in, in the stock market. One, on the interest rates that I think if you look at the 10-year yield, just very quickly as a backdrop we're operating in, the 10-year yield is very highly correlated to nominal GDP if you go back to 1959. I think the R squared is like 0.35, which means it's positive. So now if we have the 10-year going up, hopefully that's going to be reflective of an, an economy growing. Also, I think that when you look at the earnings productivity that happened, which was very, very impressive in this last expansion or recovery, whatever we want to call it, is that we hit, we hit peak margins again. And every time we go through a recession, margins contract. But what we've seen this cycle in the United States, which is very impressive, is each cycle we hit a new peak. And we got to that about a year ago. Now we're contracting. Part of that you could allocate to energy. Um, and now what you've seen, what that also led to was multiple expansion. So what are we left with after this interest rate policy? We're left with an expensive-looking market with contracting multiples, and people use a lot of that cheap money to buy back stock, which really drove up the multiples as well and kept earnings growing, maybe not organically. So now investors have been paying for value this year. So tilting towards value strategies or companies with better earnings visibility, and even as we saw some of the moves from uh, other investors going into technology, seeing them as a value trade this week is attractive. 
But the long cycle businesses and those with good vis- good visibility and good uh, free cash flow yields uh, is what we're really looking at, and what our screens are telling us where we want to point new money. Uh, Kevin, let's talk specifically about handbags and wallets and shoes and watches and jewelry and all kinds of leather goods from Coach, because I want to get your thoughts on Coach. The shares are up about 14% so far this year. It pays a dividend of a little bit more than 3.5%. Well, that's a very unique thing to get a dividend that high in that space, and that's one thing. Another replacement for these low yields is looking for dividends, so that's a sub-part of the story for us. But Retail has been very treacherous, but there are positive stories out there. And what Coach has been able to do, even they had some competitive threats come in in the last three or five years, they continue to reinvent. They continue to keep the brand. They have an underlying recognition, obviously, but you have to come up with new ideas all the time, and they were willing to do that. Plus, on a valuation basis, I think when you have an established leader like a coach, when it looks cheap, you can buy without really having to worry too much about it. Um, retail in general, our view is it's very treacherous. You have to be very specific, and I would not buy the group right now because there's very powerful creative destruction happening in the retail sector right now. What about uh, the technology space broadly? And I guess maybe more particularly, would you be on board with the uh, the two people who work for Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway now, who <laughs> pumped a billion bucks into Apple recently? Well, on a, so what is Apple? Is it now a value stock? I think that's kind of the question. I mean, when it's a, if I wouldn't buy it as a quote-unquote growth stock. I think, you know, we sort of peaked that when you see the unit sales, especially in China, uh, affecting the top-line growth for Apple. But is there value there? Sure. And, and them deploying money like that clearly has a long, they're very long horizon investors. They're not going to exit that trade anytime soon. So I think that's a positive for a long horizon. In general, though, I think the trends in tech you want to exploit are continued broadband to the home, continued mobility, the continued bandwidth that we're doing everywhere. And that really is more of the unknown mid-cap and small-cap companies that, that seem to have a technology advantage. It will either be acquired by one of the large guys or they can really take share in a very, very fast way. But, you know, multiples are still high in tech in, in general. And profits, really, that's one of the fastest declining sectors we're seeing right now, at least within the S&P 500. Um, but still, the innovation – and combining that with a good valuation is a place I would be deploying capital. And, and technology makes a big makes up a big component of our portfolios today. How about the, can I interest you, Kevin, in uh, some shares of LB Foster and Company? They've lost about fifteen percent of their value so far this year. What do you like or don't like about this Pittsburgh-based company? Well, one, it's in Pittsburgh. Uh, we like to avoid crowded trades, and we like to find companies that have an attractive valuation, and are underfollowed by Wall Street, at least when we start to enter them. Uh, they're a mid-cap company with a good balance sheet, a long-term management in place, and they're just repeating success over and over again. So in, in that sense, when you can deploy capital like that, that was what I would call a more longer horizon holding, and you could probably be much more patient than as we talked about Coach. When you make some money in Coach, you may want to be kind of pulling that back because that tends to get – a lot of the um, a lot of the chatter from the street when stocks like that do well. Thank you very much for spending time with us. Uh, Kevin Divney is the Chief Investment Officer for Beaconcrest Capital Management, uh, joining us from Boston, home to Bloomberg 1200. And, uh, well, Kathleen, we're going to take it into the close on a day when we've learned a little bit more, perhaps, about the Federal Reserve's thinking process. 
We certainly have, Pam. I mean, the, the when we had three Fed officials in a row tell us it was a live meeting in June in our recent interviews, I guess they meant what they were saying. A lot of other people on the FOMC agree. Indeed. You're listening to Taking Stock on Bloomberg Radio. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.